There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode one of season one of Deadly Class. Okay, this is pretty cool. Yes, right, it is. So. It's um... <laughs> So I have failed, though, already, Steve. Oh, no, you didn't read the book. I did not read the book. <laughs> I got them before I went out for surgery, and I'm like, I'm going to read them. They're, they've been sitting on my desk this whole time, so I failed. <laughs> So I have to at least read the first one before episode two. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody in the fandom. Please don't hate me. But I have them. I do. See? You hear that? That's my bag that has yeah. them all in it. I have like the first <laughs> six hardcovers. So Nice. So I will be ahead, though, once I read it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, we're doing this way too soon to have ratings. So yes. we'll have to update ratings. As we can get them. Right. But let's talk about this little little uh, world that we're diving into. And the name, the name of the episode, Reagan's Youth, right there, you know, this obviously isn't happening now. No. So we're in kind of a dark, heightened world in an 80s counterculture. And Deadly Class follows the story of Marcus, a teen living on the streets who is recruited into the King's Dominion. An elite private academy where the world's top crime families send their next generations. Maintaining his moral code while surviving a ruthless curriculum, vicious social cliques, and his own adolescent uncertainties soon proves to be vital. Based on the best-selling 2014 Image Comics graphic novel by Rick Remeter and Wes Craig, Deadly Class is a coming-of-age journey full of ancient mystery and teen angst. So really not that far off from every other teen show, only there's assassination involved. <laughs> right. So. And where all the networks are, all they can come up with is remaking old, shows. old shows. At least sci-fi is trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. This is definitely different. Yeah. But yes. And I love the way the setup was happening because, yes, you have like the 80s, so you hear about the war on drugs that right. was pretty much failed, but you hear about all the things that happened in regards to Reaganomics. And I think those are going to be huge playing parts in this. So before I jump into that, because I'm like, I just love the way the whole thing looked really quick though. Where was this supposed to be taking place? This is San where Francisco. I was. Oh, was it? Okay. Yep, I was Francisco. like, Seattle, where is this? All right, let's talk about, a few of the main characters, well, we can introduce the main characters. We have Master Lin, who is the headmaster, and played by Benedict Wong, who you may recognize from, oh, I don't know, Doctor Strange and the Avengers that made me cry. That one. 
And he's right. still in it, so he'll be back. He survived the snap. Anyway, uh, we have Marcus Lopez. Oh, how do you say the last name? Aguero? Yeah. Aguero, who is the newest pledge. And Saya's, I don't know, assignment. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she was. <laughs> yeah, uh, played by Benjamin Wadsworth. Now, he is the main kid that we're following. Right. But it's interesting because when we first see the kids, we get, what, four of them. Right. So I'm like, okay, thinking we're going to get all of this. But we get a whole different dynamic when we ju- once we jump in. Right. We have Saya, the leader of the Kuroko Syndicate. And like we said, the person who is... Marcus's sponsor? Mm, I don't know. I think this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out with those two. Right. Since she does say you're an assignment. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have Maria, who is a member of the Sotovatos and Chico's former, and I say that with a question mark, girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Willie, who's the leader of the FWO and Marcus's mm, maybe friend. Yeah. A lot of these have question marks in case you couldn't figure that out. Right. Yeah. I think that the, yeah, Willie and Billy, the friendly punk rocker, are probably the two leading candidates to kind of uh, be best buds with Marcus. Now, I think Billy, because of everything he showed in this first episode, is definitely, I would say, in the friends category. Right. And the other three are in the question mark category. (laughs) And then we have Chico, the leader of the Sotovatos, and Maria's possibly now former boyfriend. Owner. Yeah. Pain in the ass. Yeah. He's a cartel baby, so. Now, he is definitely in the not a friend category. Exactly. Now, we'll see how this plays out, but it was just pretty interesting how it comes around. And then the other people that we start to see. We have Henry Rollins. Which I seen him in the preview, but that still surprises the heck out of me. Like the way he, because I'm so used to seeing him as this like punk rock guy. And the fact that this was supposed to be taking place in 87. Right. When like he was like seriously into everything, but he is playing a teacher. Right. (laughs) Jurgen Denke, who is the teacher for Poison, was it Poison 101? Yeah. Which just kind of makes me laugh. Yeah. And he's playing it so straight late. Yeah. (laughs) So weird. We have Petra, who's a goth hailing from a death cult. Brandy, which just made me laugh because she's a racist (laughs) Southern belle and the leader of the Dixie mob. Okay. Victor, notorious for being the son of Joseph Stalin's top assassin. Yeah, he'll just, it'll go over great with him, I'm sure. Yeah. We have Lex, who I'm not really sure who Lex was. Is he the kid with the spikes? Yep. Okay, easygoing outcast from the UK. Very, I don't know, I I was getting like, oh God, train spotting vibe out of him. But (laughs) like, I wondered how he's going to go. Right. And we have Rory, which I was staring at him and I'm like, I can't believe he's in this. Yeah. And why do I hate him so much? He's played by Ryan Robbins, who you probably know him if you've watched anything on sci-fi. Right. Or TNT. He was on Ghost Wars, Van Helsing, Sanctuary, Falling Skies, Continuum. 
Battlestar Galactica. He's almost up there with Mark Shepard. Right. And getting in all our awesome nerdiness. So he's pretty darn close. Yes. And then we have, oh, how do you say it? Shivnam? Yeah. Shunned by his peers, the son of a wealthy banker, which I don't know if we've seen him this season, did no, we? Or we this did episode? Not see I'm sorry. Him in this episode. So this is our cast of characters, but apparently we have all sorts of more information too. Why don't you jump in with this? All right. Per the the New York Comic Con panel, Deadline has exclusively revealed additional casting for this series. Brian Potion will play Metalhead Dwight Shandy. I met him. Oh, nice. <laughs> I met him in person buying a t-shirt at Comic-Con. <laughs> we have Erica Sarah, who you may know from The 100, Eureka, or BSG, who will be playing Beheading 101 teacher DeLuca. And we saw her in this episode. And boy, does Willie have a crush on her. <laughs> French Stewart from Third Rock from the Sun will play an unpredictable psych teacher, Scorpio Slasher. We did not see him in this episode. No. Olivia Chen from Warrior and Marco Polo will play the intense Master Gao, a 12th generation assassin who is considered royalty and has a special connection to Master Lin. Hmm. His boss, maybe? Interesting. Her, yeah. Ice-T will have a special voiceover cameo during a wild trip to... The King Dominion crew takes. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and no sci-fi show would be without, and I found this on IMDb, Christopher Heyerdahl from Van <laughs> Helsing and Sanctuary will play Master Zane. No way. <laughs> so, yep. So it looks like we've got a, a lot of big actors coming on this. To help these youngsters along. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be awesome. Now I just want to like hurry up and get to the episode with Ice Tea. Yeah. All right. Shall we jump into episode one? Let's do it. Like I said, it's called Reagan Youth. And actually, I think it's actually numbered double zero, which is going to mess me all up because they did this with another show and Jess and I had problems. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. A dissolution dean finds purpose and fights for survival at an elite academy for the deadly arts. I feel like I have to say it that way because I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> the deadly arts. Okay. So there we go. San Fran. I guess had I read ahead, I would realize where we were. 1987. We're in a classroom and we have Master Lin explaining how an assassination caused two world wars and the Cold War. And suddenly we have a note from a pretty blonde girl with big hair. Yes, I remember the big hair. Yep. Very yep. 80s. That was, that was, oh, I hate to say it. That was back in my day. Mine wasn't as big as hers, but. Right. Brandy passes a note to Marcus and Lynn uses his cane to stop Marcus from reading it. And right as Marcus is about to apologize, Lynn whacks her in the face instead of Marcus. Yeah. Yo, oh, hold on a minute here. Yeah, hit her nose. I don't know if he broke it, but there is blood. And after we see that single tear roll down her face, she recovers, looks back at Marcus, and licks the blood off her fingers. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a totally normal kind of show. Yeah. This is just your everyday uh, <laughs> high school. All American high school. <laughs> right? But then Lynn is in the back of the classroom. You see a couple people snicker too. You know that she got whacked in the face. And he asked, if you had the opportunity, which would you kill? A thief, a child molester, or a world leader? Now there's something to ponder. Yes, absolutely. Purge. Right? Like, the more I think about it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder which one I would take out. Right. So then we get to go to yesterday. Coming back, because a lot can happen in one day. Oh, and does it ever. (laughs) Marcus is kind of wandering around, and he wonders what his father would have thought, knowing what he went through at the boy's home he ended up at, and what he had to do to escape as he looks upon a burned-out building. And apparently, several people died in a fire that we don't know if he caused, but he's not saying he didn't. Right. And he is now wanted by the police for murder. He's alone, he's homeless, and it's not easy living on the streets. As we see, he's kind of begging for change as he's drawing in a notebook. And you see somebody throw out part of a Big Mac. So he's dumpster diving and eating the food. Yeah. And it's pretty authentic the way they showed it because it even had the styrofoam, like the old styrofoam container for the Big Mac. Yes. Things that I remember. I'm going to be really depressed in this season. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I remember that from when I was little. But then we see him return to the homeless camp and greeted by Rory, who grabs his bag as he pushes him off. And he asks him, what do you got for me today? And the only thing he has is a picture that is of Marcus as a child and his father. Right. And he decides to take that. Oh, this is not good. No, I already don't like. Ryan Robbins' character. No. From day- <laughs> as soon as we meet him, we don't like him. And Marcus tries to attack him and beat him up to get his picture back. That didn't go over well either. No. Because <laughs> then he's told, if you try that again, I'll kill you, as he has a, a screwdriver up to his throat. Yeah. Well, we do hear his like voiceover here talking about how this was the time when Reagan made so many cuts and all these people. Got you let know, loose. Yeah. And then you just think, oh, okay, this has got to be a big thing. Why else are you going to say it, right? Right. Because we do come back around to it. But he also says something along the lines of, you never know what's going to happen day to day. You can wake up with a knife in your, or a screwdriver in your belly. Right. So I'm like, oh, well, you, you can wake up dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he disappears kind of. Trying to walk it off, because obviously you don't want to be there. The guy took the last thing you owned, and, well, he's totally said he's going to kill you. I don't think I want to stay around it either. No. I think it's time to take a walk. Yeah. So he's walking down an alley, and somebody walks past him and throws, you know, down his half-smoked joint. And so, okay, Marcus picks it up. He's like, well, this is it. I'm at the bottom. I'm smoking some hippies roach that he threw out. <laughs> yeah. But apparently it was laced with something. Yeah. Apparently angel dust. And he starts to hallucinate and he's like, oh no, is that what today is? It's Day of the Dead. Because ahead of him, there's a parade. That's, I'm sure, not ominous or anything. No, not at all. <laughs> but it was cool to see him kind of turn the corner and you hear Reagan on this TV. 
Oh my god, it was so weird. Sitting out in the alley, (laughs) and as he he goes past it, you see a hand pulling out of the TV, and you go, oh, crap. (laughs) Right, and he's like, this is bad. I am paranoid at the best of times when I'm smoking, and now I have angel dust, and I'm in this crowd of Day of the Dead people. This is not good. No. (laughs) And as he's walking, suddenly... This guy kind of comes up behind him and he's like, you've been made. And he turns and he sees cops coming for him. So he starts to run. And it's interesting because we have all this stuff happen at once. And so I'm starting to wonder when this all happened, you know, other than them just saying yesterday. Right. Because you have Maria, who's decked out in Day of the Dead face paint and an outfit with awesome fans that have blades on it. Very Mortal Kombat. She's kind of distracting by cutting one policeman's leg and using the other one as a, a fan, as like a blocker to drop like a smoke bomb. We have Billy who ends up skateboarding kind of into one of the cops and rams him right. in the face with his skateboard. <laughs> and just all of this stuff to, to kind of distract the cops from chasing down Marcus. Right. Which is why I was wondering when the heck this happened. Has he already been part of this or what was going on yeah it was the way it was executed they almost had to know that he was going to come out of that alley into the parade yeah yeah, whoever dropped the joint right actually part of it too yeah had to be yeah so all that's happening marcus is running he runs into a parking garage and saya shows up on her motorcycle and she's like get on and right then two cop cars show up Marcus is not in his right mind right at this moment. No. And, well, Saya kind of takes out the cops. Now, we don't know what happens exactly, because next thing you know, it seems like the whole gang is there. Right. You have Willie, Billy, Maria, and Saya, and they put a hood over Marcus, and he wakes up in a meat locker. Yeah. Why are you in a meat locker? Exactly. Like, this probably isn't good. No. And then and Mr. Lynn enters and offers him interest into King's Dominion. And you go, yeah. oh, the meat locker must be part of a front for King's Dominion. Well, I love it because Marcus is like, right. Yeah, I'm sure you just want me. What was it? To dress up like a Viking and take tasteful pictures. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of creepers have you come across? Yeah. We don't know for sure, but we do know that, yeah, that home was not a good place. No, 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 no. And we do kind of get this awesome bit of Marcus's past that happens in, like, cartoon form. Right. Which was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that's actually out of the book. I didn't look through it. So he's talking about his parents had had a troubled past, but they finally have made peace. But he's having a hard time making peace with it. And his dad comes to him and says, you have to be happy and you have to take what you can because what is it? This is not a dress rehearsal. This is life. Yeah. And this is actually really good information. Like out of all the kind of cheesy stuff you've heard in shows and all, I'm like, that's actually kind of uplifting. Right. Like. Not a dress rehearsal. You got to go with it. It's like, right. And it also gives us a sense that, yeah, Marcus has got some issues too. Yeah, it's because he was 
like what they showed of him, he had ice cream, he had a balloon, but he was still very sad. Yeah. Nothing was making him happy. Right. And, you know, you think his parents being back together would be happy, but didn't happen. And they're walking along. And this is when you get that voiceover again about how Reagan cut costs and they closed a bunch of psych wards and let a bunch of people out who probably shouldn't have been out. Yeah. And, you know, they show him trip as a child, his balloon flies away. As he looks up, he sees, oh my gosh, and I forget her name, but she was a paranoid schizophrenic with suicidal tendencies who had thrown herself off the building and happened to land on his parents, killing the, all three people then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's going to screw you up. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, to see it go down like that. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Yeah. No child should have to go through that. Yeah, and it seems then when we come back to the present, well, his present, that Marcus is on the top of that same tower. Right. And, he's and right there, ready to go over like the lady did. Yeah. But, I mean, there are differences. It's at night. Nobody's under there other right. you know, than him. And he says he's a hypocrite. He doesn't believe in God, but he prays every night to let it end. Right. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Again, I feel like that's something that's going to come back. Yep. I think so, too. But as he's up there, all of a sudden, Saya's like, well, what are you waiting for? Wah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost fell when I wasn't up there. She's like, yeah, I know it's a private moment, but I can't let you do this. And she's telling him everything that I think any kid who is in that situation wants to hear. Oh, of course. As she kind of like goes over by him, up on the ledge with him, grabs his hand, and she's like, I know how hard it is, but you don't have to feel alone. And then she kisses him. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Right. What time are we in? Like, has he known her? Is this some weird thing? Is her lipstick like drugged? You know, this is everything I'm thinking. (laughs) But apparently it worked because next thing you know, we see Marcus on the back of Saya's motorcycle. And he's got his arms around her waist holding on. Well, first of all, you're on a motorcycle. You need to hold on. Yeah. But they kind of show her face where I couldn't quite get what she was thinking. Was she supposed to be like, ugh, like disgusted? Or is she like, okay, this is weird. This could work. You know, there is a lot of things I was trying to figure out just by her face. Right. And, and it was only a few seconds. Right. And she wasn't really giving anything away. No, she wasn't. Not like with Brandy and licking the blood off her fingers you kind of go oh my god she's gonna jump him right there in the class yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that turned out not to be the case either so right yeah this is going to be real interesting not being able to really tell what's going on in certain people's heads yes it's very good too and so they end up walking into a meat shop and we see those kids again yep. and we, we get them telling them, okay, there's rules. You never give away where we are because you might end up up in this meat shop. Yeah. And they end up in the meat locker and he's like, the hell is going on? And then a secret passage opens. And a hooded oh, okay. figure shows up to escort him inside. In like old, like monk's clothes. Yeah. It's like, ooh, <laughs> is he taking a vow of silence? What's going on? It's weird. They end up taking him to Master Lin's office, and he, of course, 
decides to be curious and touch things that he probably shouldn't. Right. Asterlin shows up and he's trying to hurry up and put away the sword that I thought he was going to drop, I swear. Yes. <laughs> and then we get the background of King's Dominion, how it was founded by Lynn's grandfather when he came to America and was basically treated horribly and he realized he needed a way to rise up. Right. And then next thing you know, he offers Marcus a way to focus and learn and free yourself as he opens up a box on the table and it's the school blazer. Right. And I love it because what does Marcus say? Not like, yes, I'll do it. Anything. He's just like, drops the F-bomb. Right. <laughs> like, okay, guess he's in. Yep. So, of course, we get to see the first day of class. And it starts out with Marcus taking a shower and getting cleaned up for his first day of class. And can't tell when the last time he actually had a shower and brushed his teeth and put on clean clothes. But he goes in and gets his books. I loved this scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have Poison 101. Yep. You have the Anarchist Cookbook. You have an array of weapons. And the VHS copy of Faces of Death, which, yes, I'm going to admit, I watched that. Right. I watched several of those. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. But I just thought it was so funny. And then the old woman, like, smiles at him. And she's got what happens to a lot of old ladies, the lipstick all in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I just thought it was hilarious. I don't know why I felt like this was the comic relief. Right. For this. You know, everything was getting so tense. So I just thought this was hilarious. And of course, and I'm trying to figure out what some of those weapons were. Right. Yeah, I wasn't sure what some of them were. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And of course, as he's walking down the hallway, other students are checking him out. And of course, Willie bumps into him. And Margaret goes, what's up with that? And Willie calls him a punk ass bitch. I know. I'm like, what happened? Right. And then he like naively says hi to Saya and, you know, kind of like, hey, what's up? And Brandy looks at him like crazy and she's like, she doesn't associate with wetbacks. I'm like, oh, shit, this is like gone from, OK, this is going to be just like this kind of weird school setting with death and assassination to total fucking racist. Oh, yeah. And I love it because he's like, yep, yeah, nothing changes. Kids are still assholes. Right. <laughs> All right. And he opens his locker, only to find a doll with the child killer note stabbed to it with a knife. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't a full-on Cabbage Patch Kid, because right. that would have worked yeah. with the time frame. Yes. Because I don't remember. I think that was maybe a version 1.0, possibly. But Yeah. And Maria comes up and tells him that he has quite the reputation, and half the kids are scared of him, and the other half want to test him to see if he's real. And she asks him if he's Mexican, and he tells her that his dad was Nicaraguan and his mom was from Kansas. <laughs> Not American. She's from Kansas. Well, maybe it was like a whole nother country back then. Who knows? Yeah. Compared <laughs> to San Francisco, yeah, it is a whole nother country. Yeah. <laughs> and she asks him if he wants to join the Sato Vatos and that everyone needs to be in a gang. And then Chico notices that they're talking, comes up chokes maria which causes marcos to push him away and just about gets him killed yeah 
And Chico says, wear something nice tonight to be buried in. Right, yeah, we're going on a date, but basically you're going to die. Yeah, acting just like some kid from a cartel lord. Right, just what you'd expect him to act like. Right, so we go to his first class, AP Black Arts, and we immediately get the scene where Brandy gets hit in the nose, and this time Master Lynn walks towards the front of the class, Marcus reads the note, with all these nice little hearts around it, but in the middle it says, you're dead mutt. Oh, oh yeah. I'm like, wow, those weren't hearts. No. <laughs> those were swastikas. Because, yes. What in the hell is happening? Yeah, so uh, looks like Brandy is a white supremacist through and through. Then Master Lin gives them their homework. Find someone who deserves to die, kill them, and bring him proof. Yeah, and make sure you hide the body. Yeah. Okay. This could get quite interesting very quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, my first thought was immediately, oh, I know who that's going to be. It's got to be Rory. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think he could get to Reagan that easily. <laughs> See, and, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's half your grade? Right. And this is your first day? Dude, you better step this up quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I went a whole different route. I think something's wrong with me. I think the show's right up my alley. (laughs) So, of course, we get the voiceover of Marcus letting us know about Rory, who everyone knew was killing other homeless people, and it got so bad he wouldn't even hide the bodies anymore. Because, as he said, nobody cares about a dead homeless kid. Right. Or a dead homeless anyone. Yeah, the policemen don't care. Yeah. So next class is hand-to-hand compact, and we see DeLuca telling them about how the Comanche tribe survived through strength and cunning. And she tells them to pick a partner and find their weakness. (laughs) And of course, we see Billy just getting manhandled by this other guy and just using a little, uh, not intimidation, but Kind of intimidation, flip it. yeah. Flip it, flip it remarks. I'm not saying that right. I feel like I'm yeah, saying it wrong. flip it remarks. Flip it, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's all about basically. He's like, you know, I know you're this crazy supremacist, but I think you're kind of digging me. Yeah, <laughs> feeling something uh, on that on my belly here, <laughs> right? And oh, I was in pain because then he gets his arm broken. Yeah. And the whole time, Maria's like talking to Marcus, like, okay, hey, listen, you have to pay attention. But she's like talking to him about everything that's happening in there, too. Right. Why did you come here? Well, I needed a place to hide from the police. Like the way he used pigs. That's very 80-ish. Yeah. And then she flips him, and I think she called it a triangle leg whip or something. And sure enough, his face is right between her legs, and she's got him wrapped around him, and ask him, got a better reason now? <laughs> and you go, whoa! Now, of course, when they were discussing the rules earlier, when they mentioned no sex, Maria was the one who spoke up and said, oh, but we find ways around that. So apparently so. And Marcus wonders if he will survive, but it's against the rules for a student to kill another student, so... Hopefully that'll keep him alive. I don't know if it will. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. 
Next class is Poison Lab. I love this. This was hilarious. Because, of course, you got Billy and Marcus at one table, and then you got Victor and Petra at the other. And Billy wants Marcus to distract Victor so he and Petra can put something in Victor's drink. And, of course, he does. He knocks his book off, asks Victor to grab it. And, of course, Victor's not going to get up and grab that book for him. (laughs) Yeah, no. I thought that was funny because I'm like, come on. Are you that stupid? Yeah. (laughs) But apparently he kind of is because if you're big and cocky, you are kind of stupid, apparently. Yeah. And, of course, that gives Billy and Petra time to pour the liquid into his drink. And within seconds, Victor requests to be excused, but the professor makes him sit down. And And I think it was because he was cocky. Yeah. Oh, he even says it was. Yep. And, of course, the diarrhea flies. And the professor tells Victor he is too cocky and brought this on himself. And then tells Billy to get the mop. Yeah, I think Billy died a little then too, like, aww. Yeah. And then it's lunchtime and Marcus goes through and gets his food, which apparently what, what doesn't... What was that? I don't Is know. Chicken feet? Yeah. It was not real appealing. I'm like, I'll tell you, I was just at the, the pet store today and I could have bought my dog some chicken feet. Is this a thing that people actually eat though? Like, or is it just... You know, hey, here's some weird random stuff. Well, it was Oriental Cook, so it may be something that... Is it a thing? It might be. So weird. Yeah, absolutely. But because of him sitting and everybody looking at him, Billy joins him, and we get to have a whole rundown, and we get all the information of all the clicks, or right. as they call them here, gags. Right. I still am going to say clicks because it's pretty much the same thing. Absolutely it is. And clicks was a thing in the 80s. Yeah. Which was great because when they turned to the Dixie mob, Brandy's flipping Billy off. (laughs) But it was weird, too, because he tells Marcus, well, we're just rats. Marcus is like, well, that's kind of harsh. Because I think at this point, everybody's thinking a rat, you know, somebody who's telling on everybody, right? Right, yeah. And he's like, no, we're just the unaffiliated group. He's like, you got the bones, right? Which was weird because we seen that earlier. I had no idea what that was supposed to be. Right. Or why, I should say. Like, he got this weird pretty box with rat bones. Right. But we find out about the graveyard. That's not a graveyard. No. That's the roof. <laughs> yes. Where the kids who don't associate with any of the groups hang out. And there he meets Petra and Lex. And they warn him about Chico. That he doesn't stop and ask him who he would like to kill. And we s- see him tell them was Ronald Reagan as he blames Reagan for the death of his parents. And, and of I course, love how they, they just, just laugh. laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, good luck with that. But-, but you never know because we see something later that made me kind of stop. Right. Which get to it but i was like hold on a second yeah this is not out of the realm of possibility yet no so we'll get back to that so he goes in and first we see maria in the bathroom where she's trying to open a prescription drops it then it rolls outside the stall 
Say it gets to it before she can, and it's Valparate. Now, you being the expert in this. Oh, the expert. (laughs) More than I am, that's for sure. I believe it was to treat bipolar disease. Now, it's also used for a couple of other things, but I kind of thought that more than likely, Maria could be very much bipolar. That would actually work with what we've seen. Right. But it's also for like epilepsy. Yeah. And migraines. Mm -hmm. But I was like, when I heard it, I was thinking, okay, valpuric acid is what I was thinking right away. And I'm like, could she be having seizures because of Chico possibly right. harming her enough? But really, really but really, bipolar, I think, works much more with the what we've seen with her character so far. Right. Now, we may have to change it as the series goes along, but for right now, we're going to say bipolar. Yeah. And so Maria heads out of the bathroom. Before Saya can get out the door, Marcus stops her and tells her about his situation with Chico and that his reputation isn't what they think it is. And he basically opens up and tells her that he didn't kill the children. He only burned the home down because it was a sweatshop and they were being abused. Not only physically, but probably mentally as well as sexually. Yes. And he does say, yeah, I did hurt some of the guards, but that was different. Right. Somebody else killed the kids and the police are pinning it on me. Which is making me wonder, okay, if he had that happen why is he there did somebody there do it to bring him in hmm that's a possibility i hadn't thought of i've watched too many of these weird things right (laughs) and we find out that billy's dad is a cop a dirty cop but a cop so anything's possible so say informs him that chico will kill him damn the rules and he should run So, of course, Marcus grabs his bag and starts heading towards the door, only to run into Maria, who seems to have a black eye. Yeah, I'm like, wait, we just seen her a second ago, and she just had, like, mascara all running Running down. Running down, right. How did this turn into a black eye? Not that it couldn't. Right. So, of course. Yeah. Chico's going to do worse to you, he said. I was like, damn. Okay. So, she got hit. Because Chico's mad about Marcus? Yeah. Well, that's how they are. If they think you're their property, you don't talk to anybody else. Yeah. And so Marcus turns right around, heads out to the courtyard, finds Marcus and his gang, and at least gets one solid punch in before the gang members grab him and Chico gets the upper hand. He bloodied his nose pretty good. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive that he got Chico, well, basically before Chico can realize it. Right. Then Chico pulls a knife and is about to kill Marcus with Willie watching when Master Lin calls him off. But I liked what happened before that. Okay. Because Marcus was basically like, you know what? They're going to kick you out of school because you're not supposed to do this shit here. But not just that. Who are you trying to impress? Because I've got nothing to lose. So you've got everything to lose at this point. And that, I mean, the look on Chico's face when he said that, like you've seen that Chico knew he's not wrong. Oh, absolutely. He got embarrassed by having this 
could come in and get the first shot on him. And with Chico knowing this, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen if he gets kicked out and he goes home. I mean, what are you going to tell your your cartel dad? Yeah, but I killed a guy. Okay, but your dad's probably going to be pissed because you're supposed to learn how to kill all sorts of people. Right. This is a really weird conversation that I'm saying out loud now. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, Marcus was right. He's like, I've lost everything. I've got nothing else to lose. And you've got everything to lose. That's right. Your rep, your prestigious school, and... Your gang. Yep. So now what? I was like, damn. So, of course... Chico tells Marcos that he won't be so lucky next time. I guess we'll see. we shall see about that. So Marcus leaves King's Dominion and heads back to the homeless camp as Willie pulls up beside him and basically makes him get in the car. At gunpoint. At gunpoint. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you're not at school. Get in the car. Yeah. So Willie tells him that they are lab partners on Lynn's killing assignment and wants to know if Marcus has any ideas, and he shows him the drawing of Rory. We knew that had to be it. Oh, yeah. And they sort of bond over a comic book discussion of Indy versus Marvel. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, almost. (laughs) Somebody was a little too into Marvel and the Dark Phoenix saga. I think it was pretty bad when Willie was ready to kill Marcus because he didn't believe that Dark Phoenix saga topped everything else. Right. (laughs) Okay. Now, we've had discussions about comics before at work, but I don't think anybody's willing to take anyone out over anything. Right. But apparently, Willie is very much a comic book guy. Yeah. (laughs) And then after that scene, they find Rory at the camp, and you see Willie pull the gun out and aim it. But he can't pull the trigger. You go, what? I'm surprised. What? And he turns around and throws it against the wall. And you go, don't do that. Like, that's how people get shot accidentally. Yeah. But I was like, hold on a second. I thought he was supposed to be this big gang guy right. that was sent here. No, he's a pacifist. It's his mother who's the actual leader of the FWO. <laughs> oh, crap. And next thing you know, we see Rory. Pops up, he's like, what are you doing? And decides to chase them down. Yeah, he was going to make good on his promise to take Marcus out. Yeah. But Marcus is the one who gets away, and Willie is the one who gets cornered. And just as it looks like Rory's going to try to finish Willie off, Marcus comes up from behind and knocks Rory down with a large pole. I thought yeah. it was wood, but I don't think so. I think it was a pole. Oh, my gosh. And then we get the, basically, it's Rory's point of view. Right. Where he's, like, blacking out back and forth. And you see that Marcus is just beating the snot out of him. And it turns out we hear Marcus's voiceover, though, saying that he died several times over and over. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Because Willie looks like he's about to be sick. Oh, yeah. Willie's trying to get him to go to leave after the first hit. And Marcus ain't moving and he goes to blows. And they put Rory in a dumpster and light it on fire. And Marcus decides to go back to King's Dominion. No place like home. So back at Old Dominion, Marcus runs into Maria, minus the black eye. And he's not real happy about it. 
he's like, what the hell? What happened to the black eye? And at first she says makeup, but I wasn't sure if she meant she covered it with makeup or it was makeup until she keeps going. Right. And she tells him that no one has ever fought for her and kisses him. So now you've been kissed twice in less than 24 hours. Right. And you don't know if anything's real. Right. And of course he goes, "Mm, maybe not, but I got too much going on right now. And she starts to walk away and then invites him to the graveyard where Petra has cooked up some moonshine and he lets her know maybe. Goes inside and Master Lin is waiting for him and asks him what he wants from King Dominion. And he replies with a reason to wake up. And Marcus asks him about how to respond to shitty things. Yeah, um, okay. I don't know how to respond to that question. Yeah. (laughs) Purge. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag retail purge. Yeah. So Master Lin tells him about his wife and child who were killed by an 18-wheeler with faulty brakes. And Lynn ends up killing the driver who was drug-induced, the owner for being so cheap not to have the brakes even looked at, and the judge who decided it was an act of God. I was pissed for him. Yeah, but it took him several years of sleepless nights to get over it. And as they go down into the building, lower levels, Master Lynn shows Marcus his room, which... At first glance, it looks more like a storage room, but there is a bed, which is more than Marcus has had in years. Which is why I don't think he cared that it was a storage room. No, not at all. Because, yeah, you see him bopping, like, the slop sink in there. Yeah. And Marcus ends up going to the graveyard for the party, where he sees Maria. And, of course, as they're standing together, Chico glares at him, and he feels like he's home. Yeah, and I love what he says, and and what he says we had heard in the previews. Right. You know, that everybody needs a family, even if they're liars, thieves, and cheats or something. And I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. I do just like how the dynamic went. Now, this was a big, even though it was just like the hour show, it seemed like they shoved so much into it for this world building. Oh, absolutely they did. And actually, it was probably a little bit longer than... Normal. They're, you know, normally it's about 42 minutes for a regular one hour episode for the commercials, but this one was 53. So it was really 10 minutes. They got rid of 10 minutes of commercials to get it into an hour. So I'm sure you guys understand that we will probably not be going quite as long going forth. The episodes, yeah. (laughs) But yes, there was so much with this world building and just to try to get it all in here. I really like how it's going. I'm hoping like I said, to get the first book read. And I'm afraid, though, whenever I get like this, it's like, okay, I have it. Do I read it before? Because I don't want to get disappointed. Right. And And now that you like it, you go, maybe I'll wait till after the season Uh, and read it. (laughs) Yes. That's what happened when Steve and I did Magicians because I didn't want it. Everybody was talking about how it was different. I'm like, I'm afraid. So we'll see if I can get it read or not. I might just kind of look through it really quick and then dive in later. Yeah, But we hope you guys liked this because I liked how they're doing. And like we said, you know, there's so much stuff that's just being rehashed. And this seems like something you know, really just original and new. So, Right. And that's, that's what I like about it is it's something we really haven't seen. Yes. 
Oh, well, why don't you let us know what you think? Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk, S-Y-F-Y, talk at fangirlzone.com. Go over to fangirlzone.com, www.fangirlzone.com. There we go. And you can hit our contacts page there. You can check out everything we have up. Let us know if you've read the book, how you like them, how it compares. Do I take the leap? (laughs) And of course, while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about this show. Yeah. Because this is one, if it keeps going this route, I definitely want to see more. And I hope you guys do too. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. It is a stark truth. Some people deserve to die. And until next time. <laughs>